This training camp is going to be critical for accelerating the development of Justin Fields. But he's not the only Chicago Bears quarterback we should keep our eye on this summer. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockdownBears. I guess they're about to change the name from Twitter to X, but we're still going to call it Twitter here. Uh, you can like Lockdown Bears on Facebook. You can join the Lockdown Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. On the show today, we wrap up our Bears training camp previews with the quarterback position. Of course, Justin Fields, the most important focus at that spot, but also I think a time to check in on the backups as well. P.J. Walker, our confidence level in him behind Justin Fields if worst comes to worst and he needs to play at some point in this season. And also a quarterback battle for the third quarterback spot that after a rule change this offseason, all of a sudden has become a bit more important. And we've got an undrafted free agent versus Nathan Peterman. That one should be fun as well. Of course, the big Bears news of the day was that Chase Claypool was put on the physically unable to perform list to start training camp. We just talked about this last week on Wednesday, so I didn't want to do a whole nother podcast to say the same sort of things. In our wide receiver preview on Wednesday's podcast, it was all about how this is really bad for Chase Claypool. So knowing that he's on the pup list, you can go back and listen to last week, Wednesday's episode, and why this is uh, not a good start for Claypool, but we'll get more answers. Bears coaches are set to talk on Tuesday, so hopefully we'll have a better sense of what's going on with Claypool. But in the meantime, I want to stick with the quarterbacks here. And... Justin Fields, like we know this is go time for Fields. This is the last set of practice before the regular season when he needs to take a step forward and be a better quarterback this season. And a lot of that development starts here with these practices. You know, once the pads actually go on and it becomes a little bit closer to a replicable game-like scenario, it's still not exactly the same. And I think there are aspects of Fields' game that you just can't, the aspects of his game that he needs to improve that you can't just practice it away, that some of that has to be done in-game, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I think for the most part, this is more time to, A, get an even deeper understanding of this offense and really master it, not just know it pretty well, but really know it like a second language, be fluent in Luke Getze's offense. It's a time to get on the same page with DJ Moore even more. It's a time to get back up to speed with Darnell Mooney, who's been injured throughout the offseason and hasn't been participating, but should be a pretty quick catch-up. It was supposed to be a time to get even more on the same page with Chase Claypool. And now all of a sudden that will stunt Claypool's development in particular in this offense and with this quarterback. But then just you know, kind of getting everybody together on offense is important here. And I think specifically for Fields when it comes to him and his mechanics, right? We want to see Fields speed up the process. And not so much like the processing for me, but like the whole throwing process, right? Sometimes 
those quick three-step drop throws tend to be inaccurate for him because he doesn't have a very smooth, fast process to get through to those, right? It's not like he's having trouble reading whether the slant route is the one to throw to. It's the actual delivery. It's the process of going through those, going through his actual drop back, bringing the ball in and going through then his actual throwing motion, like trying to speed up some of that process for him will allow him to, A, get through those those quick read plays a little bit more quickly, but also B, like, cut down on some of the inaccuracy downfield sometimes when he's, you know, when he's trying to throw in rhythm from the pocket. I think just give him more pinpoint accuracy. Like he's generally an accurate quarterback, but as far as like ball placement, where on the receiver you want to put that ball, that's another area where like, if you can kind of speed up this process, make it more of a natural motion and a natural sort of follow through there, like that, that can hone in a little bit more of the precision style of, of quarterback accuracy and not just sort of the general get it where it needs to go. The other thing with Fields, though, that I don't know that training camp can perfectly quite replicate or improve or develop. I think there's some, but some of it just needs to be in live games, is pocket presence, feeling the pressure and avoiding not taking sacks, right? Knowing when to scramble and when not to scramble. Like some of that, you can feel the pocket a little bit here and there and know when pressure is coming when you got to leave. But we all have to remember that, like, at practice, you are not allowed to hit the quarterback. No one is allowed to touch the quarterback. They wear a different colored jersey, so we know who is not supposed to be touched. And I think there's just a little bit of something psychologically. When you know you can't actually be sacked, and you know in practice the consequences for being sacked, you know, you just go on to the next play, you don't actually even move back yards most of the time. You know, it's just the end of the play there. And even then, a lot of times if you're sacked, you still get to finish the play and still throw the ball, even though it counts as a sack. So, like, there's just not quite the same... Like, you can try in your head to make it feel as real and as high stakes as you can at practice, but there's just something different about when you're actually in a game against an actual pass rush that actually wants to sack you, can sack you, maybe even wants to hurt you in... You know, in the in the kindest way possible. Like, they don't they don't like you. They want to bring you down. And to know when to take that sack, when to throw it away, when to leave the pocket, when to just step up and around the pressure was something Fields struggled with. He took way too many sacks that were more his fault last season. The offensive line was not good, but the difference between throwing the ball away and taking a sack is on Justin Fields. And too many of those plays, he could have thrown it away, and instead ended up taking a sack that he shouldn't have. And I just don't. That doesn't quite feel like something that is perfectly. De- like developable, improvable as well at practice as it will be more regular season and even perhaps some preseason snaps to kind of feel those live bullets in those live situations where it's just not quite the same in the orange jersey at practice. So that's what we got to see from Justin Fields moving forward. I do, I do want to see what P.J. Walker looks like as his backup and what level of trust and of faith and of confidence we can have in P.J. Walker as a backup, knowing that backup quarterback confidence can only go so high. So we'll take a look at what PJ Walker has done up to this point and why he seems to be a better fit as Justin Fields backup, certainly than than Trevor Simeon next on locked on bears. The locked on bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates possible. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So many people are on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I bet you are probably on LinkedIn or certainly people you work with 
are on LinkedIn, family members as well. And so it's a great place to find prospective employees. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it really easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We know that anytime PJ Walker is on the field for the Chicago Bears this season, it's essentially a worst case scenario at that point, right? No matter what, the, the thing you can afford least to happen is to not have Justin Fields on the field, whether it's for one play, one game, or longer, like one month. Like It doesn't matter. For any one play, you are instantly in a bad spot. And so like we have to set expectations, I think, appropriately for the backup quarterback there. But I do think, on the other hand, in the NFL nowadays, you don't often see most players players play all 17 games anymore. Like a lot of teams will have even their quarterback miss. Usually it's like more like one game per season, but maybe it's two. And sometimes it's certainly longer. It averages out to one or two a season. These quarterbacks and and every player, most players tend to miss a game or two here or there. And so it is important to have a backup quarterback. You can have some trust in and you can have some faith in, or certainly, you know, if there's a situation where in a game fields has to leave briefly for an injury and you want to put in a backup quarterback for a drive or two, or maybe a quarter or something. You'd like to have a guy that you feel like when he's out there is not going to be a disaster and maybe can keep you in things, even if it's not, even if he's not scoring touchdowns per se, but can control the clock a little bit, keep a drive going so that when Justin Fields is back out there, you're not in some catastrophic position as a result of absolutely incompetent backup quarterback play. We saw Trevor Simeon last season come in and you know, wasn't a disaster by any means, but, you know, Nathan Peterman got in there as well. Neither one was good, but neither one was god-awful, but they were on such a terrible team that I don't think it was a very good reflection. And Tim Boyle even got in there and threw a couple interceptions. Like, it was rough at the end there for sure, but Fields played 15 games, and that's about what I'm expecting this season, right? Might miss a game or two here, and you'll need P.J. Walker to hopefully be some level of, of competent, competent and reliable. And I feel like we've seen him be that throughout his career. And he's what I like about PJ Walker, especially compared to like a Trevor Simeon is I feel like we've seen more flashes of higher end play here and there from PJ Walker than some than most other backup quarterbacks. He certainly hasn't been able to do it consistently enough to be a starting quarterback, but he's a guy who can come in and he's had games where he throws for 258 yards. He had a 300 yard game this past season with Carolina. It's not a five touchdown type of game and certainly like his touchdown interception ratio last season was what three to three like he's not over the course of you know his career I think it's five to 11 is his touchdown interception ratio it's not something that he has done any sort of like high-end stuff but I do feel like can he come in and in the right situation against the right team with the right preparation give you something to work with there like I mean there's it just feels to me like there's some upside to him that a, a lot of other backup quarterbacks just don't have. And certainly there's with that, there's volatility. There's, there's low sides to that. There, there's, there's upside and then there's risk. And, you know, he's not going to be anything too over the top great or else he would be a starting quarterback at this point. But we've seen him make great plays with his legs. And I think schematically he's a good fit there. So that 
you know, when the backups are playing with PJ Walker, they're getting a closer type of experience to like a fields like quarterback in that way, because he's a little bit more, you know, effective outside of the pocket. Not that Simeon was a total statue by any means, but I just think PJ Walker is a guy who, who likes to roll out a little bit, likes to use his legs as more of a weapon in his passing game than someone like Trevor Simeon was able to as well. And so I think Walker, we've seen be accurate. We've seen him move the offense down the field. We've seen him score touchdowns. And it feels like that's, that that's kind of what I'm looking for in my backup quarterback. Give me somebody that I feel like, you know what? We're not screwed if if this guy's in there. Certainly if this guy's in there for six weeks, half a season, we're not we're not going anywhere. But but like if if it's a game, right? If it's a drive, it's a, if it's a quarter. All right. Like let's see let's see what we can do here. Like we saw him play really, really well in the XFL, right? Was, I get the XFL and the USFL mixed up. I'm pretty sure PJ Walker was yeah, XFL MVP, if I remember correctly. And he absolutely lit it up. Like he looked like a guy. Who is a who has like playmaking ability with you know at the quarterback spot like in the XFL that obviously doesn't make it like guaranteed that he's going to do that in the NFL and we certainly haven't seen him really do that in the NFL consistently enough but it's enough where it's like there, there's some juice there there's some excitement there and some, some reason to feel like in a pinch maybe just maybe you can get something out of PJ Walker so I want to see what that looks like at training camp I, I imagine we're going to see a lot of him in the preseason I had, didn't realize too that. He was a part of the Indianapolis Colts with Matt Eberflus for a few seasons, mostly as a practice squad type guy in the offseason and, and, and you know training camp guys. So there's there's already some coaching staff familiarity with him as well that should help just the chemistry side of things. And I just I really like Walker as as a backup quarterback. It feels like it gives you something here that we haven't had in backup quarterbacks in Chicago for quite some time. I mean, maybe back to Josh McCown, but other than that, it's kind of felt like, man, it's a rough backup quarterback spot and competing with like Andy Dalton. Sure. He was a backup quarterback, but you know what I mean? Like a true backup situation has been rough. And I I do often think, and I I think I've made this reference a few times over the years on the podcast, but there was a famous quote. I don't remember if it was from Clyde Christensen, the the quarterbacks coach with the Indianapolis Colts um, when Peyton Manning was there, or if it was Tom, there was, I think it was Tom Moore, the offensive coordinator in the early Peyton Manning days when he was really good. And, uh, they were at practice and somebody asked why the backup quarterback, Jim Sorgi, wasn't getting any practice reps. Like all week it was just Peyton Manning gets every rep and they weren't having the backup quarterback even throw. And Tom Moore said, if 18's out there, if, if 18's not out there, we're effed and we don't practice effed. Of course, he said the actual F word, but you try and keep this as a as a friendly, as a friendly, sh- a family friendly show here as best we can. And so I feel like a little bit of that with Justin Fields, where Fields isn't out there, we're effed and how much you need to practice effed for the Bears, but at the same time, it's part of the reality now. And, and I think having Walker there gives you some sort of some sort of level of confidence of something reliable there that's not going to be a disaster, that maybe has some high-end upside to win you a game or two in an absolute pinch. Bears are also going to have a third quarterback all season again. They did with Nathan Peterman last season, or for a lot of last season, certainly brought him back towards the end, and then Tim Boyle as well. But the NFL changed some rules this summer to make the third quarterback a little bit more important, and the Bears have a third quarterback backup battle that I'm pretty excited about between Peterman and Bajent. We'll break down some of those third string quarterback battles and why this does matter a little bit more this year than it has in years past. Next on Locked on Bears. I've given a few Nathan Peterman rants before on the podcast here, and I'm not going to just rehash the whole thing, but there's some quick points here about the third string quarterback spot that I want to make with Peterman in particular versus an undrafted rookie free agent. 
I can think of almost zero reason why Peterman should make this 53-man roster over Tyson Bagent. Because I just don't know that there's any real upside to it being Peterman at that point for a few different reasons. Like, perhaps Bagent is no good. And odds are most undrafted free agent quarterbacks aren't any good. But he's worth, and any undrafted rookie free agent quarterback for that matter, is worth taking a chance on just to see if they're the 1% that goes from small school undrafted kid to actually a pretty darn good NFL quarterback. Whereas Nathan Peterman has been in the league now for, what, six or so seasons, five or six. This will be his sixth season, it looks like. Uh, a couple years in Buffalo, a couple years with the Raiders, and now with the Bears. And we know what Nathan Peterman is and isn't up at this up to this point. Like He is a third-string caliber quarterback. He can kind of manage some games here, but he's thrown a lot of interceptions and made a lot of bad, played a lot of bad football. Like Nathan Peterman is not all of a sudden going to start, you know, unlocking some deep potential inside of him and become a great quarterback. You know, he didn't, he couldn't get it the first five years, but all of a sudden year six, right? It just takes off. Like that's not going to happen. Whereas at least with a Tyson Bajent, we don't know if he's going to be any good and chances are he's not any good. But it, he could still be good. You know, we don't know whether he is or isn't something good. So why bother keeping the third-string quarterback that you know what he is versus going for the third-string quarterback that could be something even better? Like, it feels like, at worst, Tyson Bajan's going to be like a Nathan Peterman type. You know what I mean? Like, he could be, but he could be better. And so that's where I get a little, I get a stuck. People, you might say, well... If, if Peterman has to get in the game, you know, or if, if you get to the third-string quarterback, then maybe Peterman right now gives you a better chance than, than Bajent. That's probably true. But if your third-string quarterback is in the game, again, we're effed. And why are we worried too much about what happens when we're already effed? If you're already going to third-string quarterback, that game is over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Peterman's not going not gonna to win you that game. You're not in a good spot at that point. You are screwed. So why not go for the young quarterback in Bajent who – was extremely successful at the Division II level, Shepherd University. Uh, holds all of their school passing records, was the Division II player of the year. Like, he he lit it up. Like, he was a playmaker, big big game quarterback at the Division II level for Shepherd. Big adjustment to the NFL for any Division II player. But I think for especially, especially for him at the quarterback spot, you know, he was a guy who in college had a penchant for kind of staring down receivers and kind of having go-to preferred players on certain plays to kind of just like, he knows where he's going to go. And that can lead to interceptions. Certainly in the NFL, it's going to lead to interceptions. And he also is a guy who has a very kind of funky throwing mechanics to the point where it, there's some real question as to how well that's going to work at the NFL too, to be able to, to be able to get hit the windows that he needs to as a quarterback, as far as the delivery and where the ball goes, he's kind of a little more sidearm and he, Drops it a little bit more, and it's it's a it's a weird motion. He's also a guy who doesn't do very like he moves pretty well. He had a great combine, but like doesn't throw very well on the run. Like he he's mobile and athletic, but like doesn't like because he's he's got such because of kind of the weird mechanics, it doesn't work super well for him on the run, getting out of the pocket and getting disrupted that way. So like he is a major project in in every way, shape, and form. You know, he he is he has that big leap to make. He's got things he absolutely needs to fix from a mechanic standpoint and sometimes made poor decisions and didn't didn't want to move off of those reads to kind of get to the next player because he wanted he wanted something 
bigger or better on that play. And it, it's going to take some time. A, a it's going to take some time for him to improve if he's going to improve, but to also take some time to just like to really see when it starts to become a fair evaluation of a division two player getting adjusted to the NFL. Like he, he certainly has the tools. He certainly has, you know, the mindset. He's been very successful. He's been a good teammate. He's been a, a generally like a smart player in terms of understanding, you know, football IQ, you know, type, type of stuff. But there's, there's a lot of work there and a lot to adjust. You know, it's not just like a, a big athletic SEC quarterback who needs to come to the NFL and fix his throwing me- mechanics and stop staring down receivers. Like there, we've seen plenty of those guys come through, but then you add on top of it, He's got to do all that well. Everything is going 100 miles an hour faster than he's used to because all the players are bigger, faster, stronger, and you know, the speed of the game is just so much faster. Like, and that's that's tough. You know, he's one of these guys who I think in Division Two you can just be the smart, good athlete, strong-armed quarterback and kind of get away with with not needing perfect mechanics because everybody else is everybody else is just not as gifted. As you are, we talked about this last week on Friday with Clay Harbor, the former NFL tight end, was on the guest to talk about Bears tight ends. But he came from Missouri State, which I think was FCS, so not Division Two, but FCS. And he said the same thing: like in college, he was just bigger, faster, and stronger than everybody, so he could just dominate and, and run over people and outrun everyone up and down the field. And it's like when you get to the NFL, everyone is as big, as fast, and as strong as you, and most people are bigger, faster, and stronger than you. So all of a sudden you really got to get your technique down. You know, from him, you know, his route running and blocking and mechanics and all that stuff. For Bajant, it's going to be throwing motion, footwork, reads, decision-making, quicker, faster, better, more precise, everywhere through and through. And that's a very tough spot for any quarterback to go through or any player coming from Division Two, but then also needing to fix the mechanics makes that tough. And yet all of that said, it, maybe it's a 1% chance that Bajant becomes great, but that's better than the 0% chance that Nathan Peterman all of a sudden becomes great. And again, third string quarterback should be a developmental spot because if he's in the game, you're screwed anyway. And the NFL has changed the rule this year back to the third quarterback rule where on game day, your third quarterback is part of your active roster without needing to count towards your active roster. You know, you can have 46 players active on game day and and you'd have to choose whether you want a third string quarterback to be one of them or not. Now automatically the third string quarterback gets to be active without counting towards that total. So in theory, every team, most teams are going to roster a third quarterback this season because they won't have to count on your active game day roster. So it's a more important spot. It's a more valuable spot just in case. Largely changed because of what happened to the 49ers in the playoffs last season. And maybe Tyson Bajan can be your Brock Purdy, right? You know, it's that kind of thing. Just every once in a while, that late round picker, that undrafted quarterback becomes a Brock Purdy. And if the 49ers had had... Nathan Peterman, instead of taking a chance on, wasn't Brock Purdy Mr. Irrelevant, like at the end of the seventh round, you know, it's a different outcome there and a very different trajectory for the San Francisco 49ers. So take a chance on Bajant. Uh, certainly he's going to have to win the competition. They're not just going to give it to him because he's a undrafted rookie. You know, if you got to cut him and replace him with a different undrafted rookie quarterback or some other unproven QB, to me, it's not about Bajant in particular. It's just about give me a guy that we don't know for sure whether or not he's good or not. He's probably not going to be good, but we don't know. We can't rule out that he's good. Bring him in, keep that over Nathan Peterman to where we, who's someone that we can kind of already rule out him being really, really good. That's the crux of the third quarterback battle, and I want to see those guys throw. I bet we're going to get a lot of preseason action for Bajant in those third and fourth quarters in the preseason. Peterman will get quite a bit of that too, and that's going to be the QB competition in Chicago this season. Going to be fun to watch. Certainly going to be close, uh, keeping a close eye on Justin Fields' development and what P.J. Walker is able to do, and we'll break down any and all important training camp updates 
or you're right here on the podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate everyone who makes us your first listen every day. Our everydayers, as we like to call them, are what keeps us going, what drives this podcast, and what makes this podcast fun to be a part of. I hope you'll keep tuning back in for more Bears talk, and I hope each and every time then you tune in for another opportunity to bear down.